Hey, welcome to Political Football with Matt, Dave, and Cleve. How you guys doing today? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Doing good. Um, happy Thanksgiving week, you guys. Hopefully, you know you guys are going to celebrate and be thankful for a lot. Um, I know I am thankful for it. That is transition day. So, <laughs> let's get going. That's right. I'm thankful that Dave made it through his uh, conversion therapy last week, and he gets to join us again. <laughs> the Billy Clubbing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I agree. Yeah, so um, I'm not as, as excited about the Giants as I probably should be, but I locked the doors to my apartment, so Dave Gettleman's goons can't get me this week. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, so the first thing that I do want to talk about, though, is not any of the games. It's actually the pandemic, unfortunately, because we have it um, impacting sports in general, and the NFL specifically. But I don't know. Did you guys see what happened in the college game with Clemson and Florida State this week? Yes. No, I didn't. Okay, so – Clemson coach Davo Sweeney let an offensive lineman who was symptomatic practice all last week. Wow. Even though he was testing negative. Then he tests positive on Friday night after they had already flown to Tallahassee to play Florida State. Wow. Yes. Flor- yeah, so Florida State says, we don't want to play this game. We don't know how many players on your team are actually now contagious because this dude's been symptomatic and practicing with them all week. So the game so, had to get canceled, and it's ridiculous. So Dabble came out and blamed Florida State for, like, not wanting to play them. Or Dabble Swinney sucks. But I hate him. The point is, like, you cannot – I mean, we're, we're in the situation. A quarter million people dead, 12 and a half million people are infected, and Dabble Swinney makes millions of dollars a year, and he's just – letting symptomatic kids show up at practice. And I don't see a way through this when people with that much authority are being this stupid. Wow. that So, you know, like, I mean, we've all worked in offices at some points in our life, and you can guys can recall flu season where your boss will tell you or you'll tell your staff, hey, don't come in if you're sick because you're going to get the whole office sick and then take down the entire department. So if you know a kid is, is out there with a fever possibly or coughing or what i don't know what the guy's symptoms were but he's obviously displaying symptoms you you would probably want to call it and you know get everybody into a silo or something that that is very irresponsible that that that's insane bro. that is insane although i gotta say cleve we've we've coined a phrase for what this is the culture of winning yeah and yeah. I, I, I hate to just be that guy and, and talk about this stuff, but when there's so much more on the line than just the college football championship, like in every other year, we know that there's a lot of other things that go on in college football and how much money gets gets made and all that stuff. And and, and that, that all is secondary to all the pandemic stuff because it adds a whole other layer to this that is just, it's beyond what I think we, we, we could even have imagined for trying to do this. And... My personal feelings about Dabo aside, it is irresponsible. But in the same token, he only cares about one thing, really, right? And that's winning. And I don't want to pin him as a as a bad human being, but at the end of the day, like the big time college athletics, like that, I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to. And sure, there are administrations that care about the kids and the players. I'm not saying that there aren't, but in this particular case, this is that's just the way I see it. And and maybe that's too cynical of a view, but. Um, it's just it is irresponsible and I feel like then blaming Florida State for taking the stance that they did and seeing people on Twitter say well they're just delaying the inevitable folks it's not about wins and losses here <laughs> like yeah. can we get can we get on that train at some point in time please 
That's crazy. I mean, we've you know, we, was it Baylor back in the day uh, during Sean Sean Oakman's run where they had like 19 sexual assault cases on the team that year, and they just kept playing through all of that kind of stuff. It's it's insane, man. It's like like you said, the culture of winning at all costs. I mean, come on, dude. Seriously. Right, but this, but I don't think this fits that because they lost to Notre Dame because their star quarterback had COVID. So mm-hmm. so another player shows up symptomatic. You would think the first thought would be. If the other players get sick, we might lose some more. Right. Yes. Like exposing your team to the pandemic is actually bad for for culture winning. Exposing your opponent ahead of time, like if he had sent that infected offensive lineman to go bomb Florida State's dorms and try to get that team sick, well, then I guess it's the culture winning. But that's what I'm saying. Dabble Swinney is risking games to try to ignore the pandemic. It just doesn't make any sense. And Matt, you said you're not ready to call Dabo Sweeney a bad person. I am more than ready to make that determination. He is an awful scumbag of a human being. And I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do that. I'm just saying in this, I'm not, I don't want my personal feelings about him to cloud the fact that my thoughts on this are objective in what I'm looking at. Like it wouldn't matter who the coach is and whether I didn't like him or not. It's a shitty move regardless of who the coach is. As far as my personal feelings on Dabo, I... He can go to hell with Art Bryles, by the way, yeah. uh, who was the guy at Baylor, you know, who, who let all that slide. But I think, Dave, maybe the culture winning is not it. Maybe it's the idea that that football means more than all this other stuff. And maybe that's the place that Dabo is coming from, where, yes, he's sacrificing wins potentially because all these players are infected. But it's like uh, it was just kind of like the, the there was a lot of people before the season started who were like, I don't really like. That they need to go out and play college football, basically saying like those people's, you know, those players' health means less than my entertainment. And maybe that's where it's coming from. Maybe the culture of winning is a little bit different in this particular case. You might be right. About I that. mean, we're talking about a guy that that willfully walked around this century dropping n bombs like it was okay. So, or at least he at least he let people <laughs> on the staff do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so whatever, man. Yeah. Seriously. So I'm with you, Dave. Though. Okay. So moving on to the NFL, we got another uh, COVID story coming up, but we'll get to them when we get to the team. Uh, so the first game we have here, we have to go back to Thursday night, which does feel like it was six years ago at this point on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon here. Cardinals 21 at the Seahawks 28. And this just set a tone for me this weekend. There's one thing that just drives me crazy, both from a wanting to win football game standpoint and from a daily fantasy sports and fantasy football standpoint. And that is just people, teams wasting downs by throwing the ball to these dust balls. Which player on the Cardinals in this losing effort had the most targets? Larry Fitzgerald or DeAndre Hopkins? That'd be Larry Fitzgerald. They tied. They had 10 targets. 10 targets to Larry Fitzgerald. That's why you lost. Every time Larry Fitzgerald gets a target, a child goes hungry. Stop throwing the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. Throw it to Christian Kirk. Throw it to New Hopkins. Throw it to Larry Fitzgerald three times a game in the red zone because he's basically a tight end now. I don't understand this obsession with getting the ball to bad players. Throw it to New Hopkins. Throw it to Christian Kirk. Give it to Chase Edmonds. Kyler Murray had five carries. Larry Fitzgerald had ten targets. That's why you lost the game. And I don't get it. And yes, I might have needed Nuke to get a couple more catches in fantasy football. That's not the point. The point is, stop throwing the ball 
to these dust balls. I'm so angry. Well, to your, <laughs> uh, what, really, Dave, I couldn't tell. Um, but to, <laughs> to, to your point, though, Dave, Kyler threw 42 times, rushed five times. Um, in the, the so they're six and four at this point. Uh, one of their strengths, I think, they lead the league in yards per per carry um, average, and it's like they. Every three of the four games that they've lost, they've lost because they have not met their their uh, per game standard this year. And 42 times, it's not like they were down huge and needed a big comeback. The game was relatively close the whole time. But I'm with you. I mean, 10 targets to Larry Fitzgerald is a lot. And it'd be one thing if this was even six years ago, but it's not. It's 2020. And for Kyler to only carry the ball five times for 15 yards, we've talked about how he's kind of one of those players now where you have to let him do his thing and kind of take the reins off a little bit. Um, and they just didn't seem to do that, whether it was a defensive, uh, you know, scheming by Pete Carroll or what have you. But it just it, it seemed like they were a little bit off what their usual game plan is when they win. Anyway. Yeah, and I want to be clear, like I stand Larry Fitzgerald. I think Larry Fitzgerald's one of the best wide receivers to ever play. He should have won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, one of my oldest and dearest friends, Ben, back in Michigan, used to live in Phoenix, who worked in a restaurant that uh, Fitz would uh, come into all the time with his people. Fitz always took care of the staff, was always polite, gracious, and whatever. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is wonderful. He should not be getting 10 targets in an NFL football game at this point. I mean, you give him three targets and New Hopkins 17, they probably win. You know, I just... I, I don't understand why it's so hard to understand that you have to get the ball to your best players for some of these some of these teams and some of these quarterbacks. And this will come up again as we go as we go through these games. Uh, Seattle, on the other hand, uh, Metcalf and Lockett combined for twenty two targets. Everybody else got thirteen total. Right, and so you know you have to run it through your two good players, and then you can sort of spread out a little bit situationally or a little short third downs or whatever. You know, I'm not saying you can only exclusively throw it to the good players. That would never work. But there's no way Larry Fitzgerald, the new captain, should have the same number of targets in a game. I mean, you should at least be scheming toward the players that you know are your elite players, is, is what you're saying. And there's no, like, you're, you're not going to catch Seattle off guard by saying, we're just going to throw it to Larry Fitzgerald 10 times. Like, that, that that's not one of those, ooh, gotcha. I mean, they're preparing for your best players and not throwing to them it, it, it was just, it was very odd. Um, but for Seattle, they're kind of like, to your point last week, Dave, they're kind of like the Rams now where they're 5-0 and at home, 2-3 and on the road. And it doesn't mean as much. But, you know, Russ didn't throw any picks this time. He did fumble twice. They didn't lose them. But I think he's the second most sacked quarterback in the league, which has kind of gone a little bit unnoticed because Carson Wentz has been getting hit at such a clip. Um but, you know, he gets pressured a lot, and, and mm -hmm. it's going to be really difficult. And he, it's like, I used to say that Russ leads the league in 30-yard uh, passes for three-yard gains because he'd have to run for his life behind the line of scrimmage, throw this bomb, and then it only gets like a three-yard gain because the offensive line was so bad. Um, and it, it could be interesting going forward. I mean, they did have Carlos Hyde back, so they had somewhat of a running game uh, to speak of this time where the last couple weeks they hadn't. I don't know how I feel about Seattle. I know Russ is good, obviously, but, um, you know, there's so many other good teams in the NFC and just in their division. Uh, I think if Arizona had schemed a little bit differently, they probably would have won this game. And then we're talking about Seattle kind of the same way that we're talking about the Cardinals. Well, as you guys know, you know, how football goes in, in the 
in the pantheon of things we get our first half which were we were just at the halfway point now we're going to see as today's point last week what these teams are going to look like especially all those six and three teams that we talked about last week we're going to see now who's going to rise to the top of that so we're in the second half of the season we're seeing now we're seeing some true football before the playoffs yep i agree the next game we have here not a lot to talk about in this one the pittsburgh steelers 27 jacksonville jaguars three uh jake luton i didn't realize his stat line was this bad watching this game like i thought he still looked kind of okay but he went 16 for 37 for 151 yards four oh, touchdowns Jesus. and four picks oh my god so wait a minute i don't mean to laugh at that but they couldn't get anybody else in the game at that point like no one else could just take it because how how bad can you be i mean the first two that? quarterbacks are Gardner Minshew and jake luton i don't think you know, I don't think Roger Staubach's coming off the bench. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure who it is, but it's probably not. You know, you might as well let Jake Luton go out there and take his take his lumps and whatever. Um, so, yeah, his stat line was really terrible. I didn't think he looked that terrible watching the game, but, you know, the numbers the numbers don't lie. The only other note I have in this game is that Deontay Johnson had 16 targets, 12 catches for 111 yards, and Pittsburgh has three good wide receivers, but Deontay Johnson is the clear-cut number one option in that passing game now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this was just one of those games where the, the you know the Jaguars are outmatched. Some of the I think the reason why Luton didn't look so bad is because I I caught maybe one or two of the interceptions, and I want to say at least one of them was a tip. You know, it was one of those weird ones where it wasn't like he threw an, a terrible ball, and you know, it's like is that the quarterback's fault or not? But regardless, they were outmatched. They don't have any weapons really to speak of, and they're playing with a you know they're playing with Jake Luton. So like, what what are we expecting out of them? Uh, but I think I saw a stat Chase Claypool caught his 10th touchdown of the year, and that's pretty damn Yes, impressive. first rookie wide receiver to have 10 touchdowns in his first 10 games. Yeah, it's, it's it's really impressive. I mean, I know he had four, I think, in one game, but it still doesn't it doesn't skew the fact that he's caught 10 touchdowns in his first 10 games. And they've got weapons there. I mean, Eric Ebron seems to catch a touchdown every week for them, and I'm like, really? Um, so they're doing a lot right. Let's yeah, put it that way. Are they are they going to go undefeated? I, I don't know, but like they're doing a lot right, and that's all you can really say about it. Right yes, now. and they've all but abandoned the running game. Uh, uh, yeah, no James, kidding, because James, James Conner is sitting on my damn. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So James Conner gets like <laughs> nine carries a game now, and I think that's because Mike Tomlin knows the no dust ball rule, and he's like, okay, I've got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Why am I going to hand the ball to James Conner? And he might be nursing an injury, though. Remember, he got hurt like, um, like week three or something like that, and then he came back. So he, he might just be like, you know, yeah. But then they're not giving it to Benny Snell. You know, they used to play Jalen Samuels all the time. I like. I think. I think Tomlin just knows like if we're gonna win, it's gonna be these three wide receivers and my ancient quarterback who's on his last legs, and we're gonna get through and do it. So, you know, I said that the Ravens would win on Thanksgiving night against Pittsburgh. Um, I'm gonna stand by that, but. Things have not gone how I thought they would in the in-between here, as we'll get to. But Pittsburgh looks, now that they've given up on running the ball and they're just throwing the ball like crazy, they look as good as their undefeated record. Dave, I also love that you called the 2017 draft pick a dust ball. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was like, so he gets on me about Tua and Metcalf, but I'm like, James has only been in the league for like a second. <laughs> Feels like last year was his first year that we actually recognized his name. Um, but th that was also a different year, though. I mean, the, the Steelers, 
I actually last year tried to make the argument that last year was Mike Tomlin's best coaching effort, given what he was throwing out there at quarterback and all the other stuff. And they still had, what, what, what they go, eight and eight? Right. So here's the thing. Yeah. Dust ballness yeah. is relative, right? It's not, it's not, you don't have to be uh-huh. dust ball just because you're old. That means you're washed. Larry Fitzgerald is washed, and that's why he's a dust ball. James Conner is a oh, dust yeah. ball yeah. because of the other options on the team around him. Every time you hand it to James Conner is the time you're not throwing it to Chase Claypool. If you put James Conner on the Jets, he should be getting 30 carries a game, right? Oh, so yeah, it is sure. it is sort of relative to, to the team. James Conner is a dust ball on the Steelers, which is why he's not getting the ball. So I think what we're saying is Larry Fitzgerald's a mothball. He's so old, he's kind of in the closet, right? And you're like, got to get that out of here. But James Conner is like a tumbleweed, just kind of, oh, you know, rolling around. So I, I, I get the okay. distinction. Okay, excellent. Uh, the next game, the Lions 0, the Panthers 20. Next game, no. Um, uh, so <laughs> the Lions had no DeAndre Swift, no Kenny G, and that means that they had no chance, and that's why the coach is, is just garbage, right? You know, we just talked about, Matt, you just talked about how Mike Tomlin last year had literally nobody and went 8-8. Eight and eight. The Lions lose their two good offensive players. They put up zero points against Carolina. I mean, that's yeah. just awful. Uh, P.J. Walker started this game for the Panthers at quarterback. He was far and away the best player in the XFL uh, during its mm-hmm. short run before it was cut off by COVID. And he did, he did pretty good. And here's the thing. He threw the ball 33 times. 28 targets. For Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore, only five for everybody else because he knows the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think this game, you know, Dave, to your point last week about um, Matt Rule, you know, that they're the Panthers or Matt Rule and Joe Brady, they, they seem to be able to get offense without any players. And you said last week without Christian McCaffrey, they didn't even have Teddy Bridgewater this week. And they still managed to, to win the game and, and put up some yards. So, I think this game kind of proves what you had said last week, and I can see it now. Yeah, I mean, the Lions are too talented to be this bad. I mean, they're, what now, 4-6 and six or 4-7, and seven or, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. But really, their, their performance and level is the entire NFC East with Matt Stafford as their quarterback. Like, fire the coach. Come on. This is, this is nonsense. I agree. Um, but I, what was it? Uh, you gave Matt Prater uh, credit last week for being one of the best players, and I think he shanked a field goal like right away. And I was like, oh, well, Dave. The thing is, the, the, <laughs> Sorry, the Dave. numbers don't lie. 22 for 22, and kicked in the fourth quarter overtime. I know. Like, I, know. I get you. No, I know. It was just funny. It's kind of like Tua throwing the goal. Prater listened. He was like, that's too much praise. I don't deserve it. I'm going to go out here and miss this by 15 yards. Um, Matt Prater is yeah. still not the worst kicker in the state of Michigan, though. Uh, Michigan's kicker missed three field goals in the triple overtime win at Rutgers. So, yeah. God, jeez. <laughs> we got to get to that. So, God, we got to get there. to that, Dave. I got it. I got it. I didn't say anything because I just, I just, I just don't want to poke you too, too hard. You guys, I totally watched that game just so that I totally watched it just because of the two of you. Like, I have such an affection for you two now as friends. And I was like, I've got to watch this. This is the political football Super Bowl, and I've got to make sure that I know what happened. Uh, I was like, he's breaking everything. No, 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 no. See, that's the thing. So in the the Michigan uh, internet world, we have something known as the B-Pone, which is the black pit of no expectations. And and that's where we are. (laughs) Oh, shit. Once, once you once you aren't beating Rutgers by 25, you know your team is trash. And so you just sort of sit back and watch. It was an entertaining game between two terrible teams. And I'm glad Michigan won. 
because Rutgers had their one chance every 10 years to beat Michigan and they weren't able to take it. And that was that. So I was able to watch this entertaining game. Michigan football won't break anything this year because there's no expectations. Now, the JT Barrett was down here when they should have gone to the playoff. Yes, I was a Tasmanian devil around the apartment. But, you know, against when you can't crush Rutgers, what do you expect? Those, that was one of the games, like, you remember in history when I think it was the Cuban missing, Missile Crisis where they were like, oh, there were chances that we could have been attacked at any moment. We didn't even know what was going on. I think Carbos firing probably was hinging on this game. Just me. Like, so I, I don't think for a bunch of, I'm not going to get into here, but for a bunch of like contractual structure, COVID, financial reasons, I think that they're more likely to extend him than to fire him even after this nonsense, which I am not happy with. But I actually think he's going back to the NFL after this season. I think so, too. I actually could agree with you more that um, he's probably like, you know what? <laughs> yep. And uh, this is going to come again in the offseason and stuff. I do want to mention it just here, get out of the record. I think Jim Harbaugh is actually a perfect fit for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, because he comes in. Ooh. The thing is, he burns himself out after like four years because he's such an, to be charitable, he's an intense personality. Um, and so he burns himself out in places, but they bring him in for the, like the next four years when they're going to have Dak and they got Zeke wrapped up and CD Lamb is on his rookie contract and you, and just go. And then four years from now, you blow it all up and, and start over again. But I actually think he's a perfect fit for the, for the Cowboys. Okay. And Cleveland, per- perfect reference. Michigan Rutgers, totally the same as the Cuban Missile Crisis, one of the most tense uh, moments in our country's history. I loved, I loved it. <laughs> you know me, brother. Yeah, it was, um, it was fantastic. Okay, so getting back to the NFL here, we have uh, the next game here, Matt. Patriots 20 at the Texans uh, 27. And Matt, I'm going to let you go first, but I do have a dust ball commentary on this one. Uh, yeah, but I think uh, I, I I was watching the game and I thought this is exactly why Bill O'Brien should be fired weekly uh, because Deshaun Deshaun Watson looked good uh, in that game. Uh, I mean, obviously it was on red zone, so I caught what I caught. But um, you know, the Patriots really didn't run the ball, and they're supposedly supposed to be a run first team. Uh, their defense couldn't get a, a key stop when they needed it. Um, and you're right, they're they're throwing to a whole bunch of dust ball weapons and when Rex Burkhead being out for the rest of the year is something that you feel like is hindering your progress for the rest of the season you clearly uh, you know don't have a lot of other weapons but at least in the last couple weeks Cam has found a guy this week it was Demir Bird last week it was um, what's his name Uh, Jacoby Myers and at least they found some chemistry with one or two guys and that bodes well for possibly next year but in this they just don't have any weapons they're a mediocre football team what can I say Matt, do you think if um, at the end of the season, you think Cam's going to have a sit down with, with BB and Kraft and says, hey, can you guys get me somebody or I'm out? I don't know, actually. Um, from everything that we've seen, it seems like Cam and BB have a mutual respect for each other, you know, because a lot of the narrative coming into the season was that Cam would be too much personality for him. But yeah. um, it doesn't seem to be that way. I, I think Cam was a little bit humbled the way that things ended in Carolina. And then he's mm-hmm. on he's on peanuts, really, if you, if you think about it, with, with New England. I think it'll be a mutual conversation of, OK, this season didn't go the way we thought. You know, here's what we're working with. And if they want to keep Cam, or if they think that Cam is at least an option again for next year, maybe the next two years, who knows what they do financially, because they do have a, a ton of cap space next year. 
you know, maybe there are conversations about, um, you know, weapons and what kind of weapons they need to move forward. But I don't know if it's necessarily Cam going in there and demanding weapons. Like, I don't think he has that kind of equity with Bill Belichick. I mean, what's he going to do? Go in there and say, hey, BB, I need more weapons. And BB's like, yeah, and I have six Super Bowl or however many, like eight or nine but, or whatever. But here's are. the thing. Here's why I said this. Like, they're not going to pay Cam a big contract. No. We, we know that for, you know, Cam's age for one. Mm-hmm. And also... They don't pay anybody in New England, Correct. so it is what it is. I mean, you ask for your money, you get sent to the uh, to the Cleveland Browns mid-season. Jamie Collins. Awesome. Jamie Collins. That's awesome, yeah. So I'm saying, like, so he, if he's going to make any kind of career stop here, he's going to have to say, not demand, but have to say, hey, can you guys give me a little bit of help here? Because Edelman's 9,000 years old, and like you said, the rest of these guys aren't up to snuff yet. So at least give me somebody out of the draft or let's get a veteran receiver in here or something. I think so, I think that that more makes sense like a bit. And that's why I said they a mutual sort of thing, because it seems like, you know, Cam still has something left in the tank. Now that he's removed from the, the post COVID weeks, I mean, he's he's looked a lot better. Right. The team has looked a lot better. They beat the Ravens last week and, you know, they technically had a chance to come down and tie the game. But uh, I do think it is a conversation to be had. I mean, if they think that Cam, like I said, they're not going to pay him like on the kind of contract that maybe he thinks that he should get. But if they get him for, you know, like a two year sort of a thing, um, you know, yeah, they're, they're, I think it's a mutual thing of, all right, we have to get some weapons here because I think Bill has to look at his team and know. All right, yeah, we just, you know, like, yeah. I think that's I think that's completely fair. I mean, next year, if COVID is gone, at least in terms of, you know, the way it is now, the guys that opted out, they get some of that back. Um, you know, at least on the defensive side. And that's one of the ways that they've been lacking this year. But offensively, mm-hmm. they don't have firepower and they need something. Like, I think, you know, having something to scheme around is is better suited for McDaniels right now. But, um, you know, I, I do I do agree with you, Cleve. I think if they decide to sort of stay together mutually, like if Cam doesn't think that he needs to go somewhere else. But I don't know if this year is a great way for him to get a payday. Because, yeah, and Dave. So, go ahead. And and they do you think I need mean, like to play this game where put him on like another team? What do you think a landing spot for a quarterback like Cam would like would uh, be best suited? Yeah, I don't think it Patriots. matters. He's not going to throw the ball to his best wide receiver, which is Jacoby Myers. I mean, you can go ahead and put this guy on mm-hmm. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He probably give forty seven targets to Daryl Hodge. Um, I mean, Cam in the mm-hmm. off season. Jeez, uh, Cincinnati, which we'll get to. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was thinking to say I was thinking Cincinnati and or I think yeah. So I mean, but the problem the problem I in this game and I I mean I agree that the Patriots are don't have a lot of good offensive skill players, but Jacoby Myers is their best offensive skill player mm-hmm. by a clear distance. Yeah, and he's developing like he might actually yep. be really really good. And so the last three weeks when the Patriots have looked okay, he had forty two percent of the target share. This week he had mm-hmm. seven. They yeah. threw the ball at Jacoby Myers three times three times so you lose the game you know Demir Bird did have a really good game but you don't get the sort of efficiency out of Demir Bird a lot he had like six catches for a hundred yards or whatever that's not going that's not going to happen that frequently and you still lost anyways because you're throwing the ball to Demir Bird throw it to Jacoby Myers and give yourself a chance I do want to talk about the Texans a little bit and Deshaun Watson Cleve, get a little of the stat line. Deshaun Watson, 28 for 37, 344 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Six carries, 36 yards, and a touchdown. 
Jesus. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good day. That's basically just <laughs> by the way. Numbers. And it, another week, but another week and another reason I get to point this out. Yep. No sacks. Clean. Completely clean. Like it's it, I, that that means something every week when it's like we talk about these these quarterbacks who have these amazing stats and it's like boy it seems like it's a correlation when they stay clean they do well and i know that that's not like earth-shattering news here but um it's just the it's just part of it like if if the patriots are not going to get to a guy like watson you're not going to beat him. like it, yeah. it's just not going to happen unless he's awful that day yeah, but i want to get your guys opinion on this so on the pro football focus um podcast uh one of their hosts george said that if the NFL did a full, complete redraft, like a fantasy draft on Madden, like a full, complete NFL redraft, he would take Deshaun Watson number two overall. Mm. Out of everybody. Out so of everybody right first. now? He said out of everybody, Deshaun Watson number two. Yeah. Matt, you want to take that first? I mean, so I think when you talk about like drafting this way, you got to think about who else would you take in, in, in his place. Um, and, and I think when we think, I mean, you know, I don't know how they thought about it, Dave, but are they talking, are they taking age into a, into account and all that kind of stuff? Or are they just saying, no, they're rebuilding your, they're building franchises from scratch. So age is obviously a very important variable to consider. Yeah. And I mean, you could make the argument and I, that if you were picking number two and obviously Mahomes goes number one, I mean, I, I don't think that that's that's a crazy thought. I mean, there yes, there are a lot of good quarterbacks in the league, but he's really dynamic. And I mean, look at what he did throwing to I mean Will Fuller eight times, right during the game, and they managed to win. I, I can see it. I don't. I don't think I'd argue it. Like you could probably have an argument and nitpick over whether he goes two, three, or four, or five, or something like that. But is it crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I um. Outside of Aaron Rodgers, I would take him too. But Aaron Rodgers would be my number two if we blew the whole league up and decide to go from scratch. Even though Aaron's Dave, on the like north side of thirty-five, still the just the experience, and I think that the McCarthy years really ruined him. That that guy should be. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, obviously, but he should he should be you know a lot further you know with Super Bowls and all that kind of accolades. I would take him too, but I I agree to, to Matt's point. I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't have a hard argument. Uh, Clint, to say do you remember uh, last two, week or the week you know? before when you said Matt and I would be good GMs and you might not be? I think you're right. Um, yeah, taking taking a 36 year old quarterback number two ahead of Lamar or Kyler or here's the thing. Here's the thing. Lamar hasn't done anything but win an MVP, and I said that out in, out in the universe. He hasn't done anything yet. Aaron well, Rodgers should. He's five hundred years old. We can go on. But still, I would, I, I would not hedge my bet for. So, all right. So, you know what? So, number two, would it be Deshaun or, or Lamar? For number me, two, yeah. For, for you, me, Dave, it's either Lamar Deshaun or, or Kyler. See again, I, I, I look at body of work, and we're blowing the league up to start from scratch, like a Madden draft. I'm, you know, I'm gonna go with the, the proven kind of veteran stuff. I like veterans. I don't know what. So it is. can I play devil's advocate here for a second? Um, yeah. To Cleve's point, if the idea is that we're redrafting the league and blowing everything up, if if Cleve is the GM of this fictitious football team, you know, whatever football team he's representing and he's picking two and he picks Rogers, then how he builds the rest of the team is going to revolve around a short window. 
So, Correct. Right? So, win now. so he's going to win now. And there's a risk in that, obviously. Dave and I are thinking the long game. We're thinking, long term. Yeah, yeah. You guys long game. And and that's fine. Like and so that's that that would be the counter argument to picking Rogers is that okay? So we know we maybe have three years max at the current you know play level, and we're just going to try to go all in on that. Whereas I think Dave and I would say, all right, at least Watson. I think see, I think Watson is actually more polished. You know, is more complete. Than Lamar, like Lamar has. Thank you. Thank hold you. On, hold on. Thank you. So, and that's fine, right? Like, but when you're drafting that way, you're thinking about the entirety of the team. So, when when Dave says Kyler, I think Kyler has established that he is a weapon, right? Whereas this year, when you compare Kyler and Lamar, like they should be relatively the same player, but they're not. Like we don't feel the same way. At least I don't about Lamar and saying we'll just let Lamar cook this year because we don't really know what the Ravens are doing and maybe that's because their scheme is terrible and that's why but like with Kyler you kind of feel that way and and Deshaun Watson like he's a he's the full package I don't think we're any of us is going to argue that so Dave and I are just thinking a little bit differently and I don't think you're necessarily wrong if your idea is that we're going to try and do this in two to three years with that we'll yeah that's the you you hit it that's why I love you guys and I love this show this form of this show because you picked it up exactly what I always say about winning now. I don't I'm not gonna get ten years out of Rogers. We know that. Right? We can get ten years out of Lamar. We could definitely get ten years out of Kyler. But when it when it comes down to it, even as old as Rogers is, he's he's still pretty mobile. You know, not he's not tearing up yards. He's pretty mobile when he needs to be. And he could throw the ball have, having the right receivers. Because if you told me, hey, after we draft this quarterback, number one receiver would be who and of course that's going to tell a lot about how targets are going to be well, I, doled out so I, yeah i wanted to put this here that was a great uh, thing because i knew that the discussion would come down basically to what you do with lamar and our next game is tennessee 30 at the ravens 24 and the first thing i wrote down about this game during the game is aj brown is a grown-ass man <laughs> like AJ Brown on that touchdown catch where he catches like a ten yard out and rips through three people. That that is what it looks like when I try to box cleave. Like some of these people don't belong in this arena, and the other person knows what they're doing, and that's exactly what I thought. Because these poor defensive backs. <laughs> you know, today's point, like like I think it was weeks ago. There's some players in the NFL that you understand why they get paid with the kind of money or, you know, why that money kind of showed up for these kind of players. Some people just win the genetic lottery and some of these guys, I mean, it's an amazing stuff. To yeah, watch. I mean, so please, stuff how watch. tall is A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown. He's uh, six foot even. in the dark here, 6'3". Doesn't he look so much bigger? Six foot even. When he's playing, he looks like he's 6'6". Wow. Yeah, jeez, he, he's six foot tall. Wow, I gotta, I gotta look this. Yep. Up. Uh, Holy shit! Wow. And they might be generous with that because they they lie about stuff in the in that the is, uh, in that the is, uh, that is very true. The thing, uh, the only other thing I want to say about AJ Brown here before we uh, uh talk about this game is that in 2018, Ole Miss had AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, and they went one and seven in the SEC. 
Yeah, SEC. That's that's a pro league. That's a pro. Conference. Yeah, so that I mean, that's still pretty amazing conference. though that you can have these two incredible wide receivers still do that bad. And uh, yeah, Matt, they uh, the Titans they did end up feeding Derrick Henry this game, twenty eight carries, one hundred thirty three yards, and the walk off touchdown in overtime. I was going to say the walk off touchdown actually proves our point from last week that he is part of their. He has to be a focal point of the offense because that can happen. Um, as soon as he broke, I mean, it, the way that the run started, I thought, oh, he's going to, you know, he's he's around a whole bunch of guys. And I actually said, that's horrible tackling. And then when they showed the replay, he actually <laughs> never got touched. Um, and it was just, it was incredible because I was like, that is such crappy tackling. And then they showed it from like behind and Chris was like, he didn't get touched. And I was like, shit. Okay, well, then fine. Like that was shitty defense. Then how about that? Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a, for me. We said this was a playoff game last week, and it felt that way. Uh, it, it very much felt the way that it should. But I actually took more interest in the stuff that happened before the game and after the game. Uh, the whole, like, John Harbaugh coming out to talk to, uh, uh, was it Malcolm Butler, I think? And then there was, like, a pregame sort of dust-up. Uh, he and Vrabel were jawing at each other. And then at the end of the game, Harbaugh waved off Vrabel's handshake. And I thought... What's going on here? Like, are the Ravens just have a chip on their shoulder because they've come in? Have they lost, what, three in a row? Yep. Yeah, so they've lost three in a row. Do they have a chip on their shoulder? And then added on to it, the Titans beat them last year, and they're still, you know, trying to maybe uh, act out a little bit. It, that, that All of that extracurricular stuff was, was fascinating to me, especially at the end when, you know, I don't know what happened and why Harbaugh was that way. He generally doesn't seem to, to be that way, at least uh, at least not not that I can remember in a way that was so egregious. And just not that Harbaugh, the other one would be like that. maybe. Well, was the other Harbaugh <laughs> the one that came up and slapped the uh, Lions yes, coach? Yes, I can't remember who the coach uh, was. That was Lions Jim Schwartz. Was, yeah, he slapped him on the ass. That's right. That's yeah. what's your deal? Oh, great. yeah. So great, great uh, comment. There. So here's the thing. Huh? Yeah, all Harbaugh's are wired like that. Um, not just Jim and John, but literally yeah. all of them. Um, and it's been a bad 2020 for the Harbaugh triplets. So the Ravens are underperforming. Michigan's going to triple over time with Rutgers, and then Tom Crean, the college basketball coach, is married to the Harbaugh sister. Um, so I include Tom Crean in there. And Anthony Edwards, the first overall pick in the NBA draft, played for him one year in college, and the one year got canceled before they could go to the tournament. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not a good it's not a good year so far for the Harbaugh's, and I don't think it's. I mean, I, the Ravens strike me as a team that can just sort of put it together, and then they're as good as anybody, but maybe Kansas City. But I don't see any reason to think that they're going to do that. I actually think it's more likely that they're going to completely collapse at this point. Which I did not think, obviously, three weeks so ago, too. when I said they would beat Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving night. I'm going to stick by that uh, prediction, but I'm nowhere near as confident in it as I was. But part of the reason I'm going to stick with it, <clears throat> excuse me, is that they have to win this game now. Like, they're 6-6 six and six if they lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Dave, to your point, looking at the uh, looking at Baltimore stats, your 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 resident dust balls, Willie Sneed and Des Bryant, uh, had the were tied for the most and second most targets uh, in this game. Jeez. So there you go. Wow. Yep. wow. <laughs> there you go. All right. So here's my take, <clears throat> and uh, Matt kind of lined it up for me perfectly. 
to have him as a part of their, you know, back. So I'm, I'm past experience that he doesn't belong in the league or he's not a great quarterback. He's actually pretty good. But the thing is, is that they live and die by how he, how he's playing. They had the same team uh, given uh, last year, right? Any changes, same running backs, except for the, I guess, the new guy that they got. They have pretty much the same team. And it's not the same results. Obviously, NFL, you know, they change up. They scheme up different. People figure people out. Um, and this is why my argument to the last little thing that we talked about is why I wouldn't take Lamar over maybe Kyler because I, I forgot that Kyler was in the league. So, Dave. Um, but I wouldn't take Lamar, um, number two, because I don't – like he – when the game's up like this, like he, he he's, fren- he's too frenetic for me. And that might be maybe a harder word for me. He, he's just all over the place for me. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. But games on the line, I'd rather have Patty Mahomes or Deshaun Watson over Lamar. If, if I had to pick from those three people in a game on the line. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think that the Ravens – so I've been thinking about this kind of kind of a lot just because I really like Lamar Jackson. I like what they did last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't – like I've been having trouble figuring out what's going on. And one thing, too, so going back to the dust ball theory, outside of Mark Andrews, it's possible all their pass catchers are dust balls. Like, Willie <laughs> Sneed, obviously. Hollywood so Brown, too? Targets. Um, and he's he's garbage. Um, <laughs> Marquise Brown had no catches in this game. It's like, he might just actually be a dust ball. We just don't know it yet. But, like, Matt, would you trade Jacoby Myers for Hollywood Brown straight up right now? Okay, so he, we at least know he's behind Jacoby Myers. Um, so last year, Lamar played at an insane rate. I mentioned at a way many episodes ago that he threw a touchdown pass on a touchdown on nine percent of his passes mm-hmm. for their careers. Russ Wilson and Aaron Rodgers at like six and a half percent. So Lamar was just way super efficient last year, and this year they're not running him as much. He's not playing, you know, 50% better than Aaron Rodgers, which you would never expect him to keep up. And so now now they're struggling and I don't know I don't know that they actually have the talent to put it to put it together. I really think that they might just be the Patriots all over again, except Mark Andrews is better is the best skill position player. Hey, Dave, so if you put Lamar on the yeah. Chiefs, same team or better? Well, obviously, Pat Mahomes is in my no, 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 just best no, no. Barring, barring, you know, barring Pat Mahomes, let's just say we have Lamar on the Chiefs. You think it's the same team? Well, if we, what I'm saying is that if you replace Pat Mahomes with literally anybody in the league right now, the Chiefs will become worse. Um, but the question is, would they still be really good? And the answer is yes, they would still be really good. But they have everything going on around them as well. I think. The, I think the better question is, if you put Tyreek Hill yeah. on the Ravens, how good are the Ravens? Yeah, that's a yeah, it's a better flip. Yeah. I I think my theory on the Ravens and I'm going to allude to like other sports. And I think about baseball sometimes because we always talk about how guys have like a career year and sometimes there are teams that everything seems to come together in a way that just works. And it's not a it's not a collection of superstars, right? Like it's a bunch of like journeymen or whatever, and it seems like they do just well enough at the right times to make to make the team like rise to this other level. And then you see a drop off the next year, and it feels like that this way. This the Ravens feel like that for me, 
because as you said, Dave, you know, Lamar was super efficient in terms of like, you know, just passing, he was running a lot, but everything else seemed to go well for them. I mean, their running game was a weapon and we felt like Mark Ingram was a weapon last year. And this year he's a dust ball I mean, he's been hurt, but I'm just saying like all of it. And to Cleve's point, like these guys were on the team last year and it feels so much different. And it just feels like last year, everything seemed to click in a way that made them seem like they were this elite team and Lamar was the MVP. And then they're kind of almost back down to what is closer to their baseline now. And I think you're right, Dave. I don't, I don't see them putting it together at, at least not with how much ground they have to make up in their division. And then all the other teams that are relatively around them record wise. Right. Yeah. Lamar has something to prove outs. last year. He, he, the way the pundits talked about how he's a run first guy, doesn't check his reads and all of that. And he showed, hey, I can actually play football as well. I just play a little different. Yeah, and one other thing I want to mention in this in this game too, before we move on, is that this is the game where we have the COVID situation. So Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, both running back, tested positive for the coronavirus on Monday after playing on Sunday, Jeez. which means theoretically they were contagious on Sunday, right? Yep. So. If if that's the case, and now the Ravens was to turn around and play on Thursday, if they infected people on Sunday, those people they infected on their own team might not test positive by Thursday. Do we have the same situation here with Clemson, Florida State? Should Pittsburgh just refuse to play this game on Thursday night and just I move would. it to Monday? I would. Yeah, I would move it to Monday. And obviously, the irony here is that Tennessee had to deal with this early in the year, and they may be going right back to dealing with it again. Yep, yep. Through no through no fault of their own. I mean, because if them. I'm the Steelers, come up Thursday night, I'm like, we're ten and zero. We're really good. Yeah, yeah. We're not risking yeah, you. getting Ben Roethlisberger sick or or any of these players sick or absolutely or cancer survivor James Conner. Like we're not doing that. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna move this yeah. to Monday. Or if I'm the Steelers, honestly. They, it might be a better move to just take the L and not play on Thursday. Like, just go to 10-1. and 1. You know what I mean? You've got the space yeah. to do it. I think it's something mm-hmm. they really got to discuss. Uh, as far as the Ravens go, um, if this game does go on Thursday, they don't get J.K. Dobbins, they don't get Mark Ingram, which means Gus Edwards' time. Shit. Um, so, yeah, so that's Hell the last yeah. thing on that game. Uh, I do want to move on to the, to the next one here. We have the Eagles 17 at Cleves Cleveland Browns 22. <laughs> uh Cleve, I'm question for you. What is the Browns record? <laughs> is it is this six and is this six and three? Six and four? Seven and three. Seven is they, they won seven <laughs> games. Oh no no Cleve. This is gonna get even better. This is um this isn't gonna be as bad as your Metcalf mm-hmm. as your Metcalf take, but Okay. Throwing throwing down on Cleveland early in the year. This is the rest of their schedule, okay? So in your head, do win or loss, okay? We can do it a lot, I guess. We are a podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. Jacksonville. Win. Tennessee. Loss. Baltimore. Loss. Giants. Win. Jets. <laughs> win. Steelers. Loss. 10-6. I would say... I would actually say possibly win on the Steelers because if they've locked up home field Play, at that oh, point, uh, yeah, they might yeah, they might, rest they might guys, not put yeah. all right. their players out there. So, yeah. 
But first of all, Cleve, when you said giant, <laughs> let's go yeah, I don't want to Billy clubbing. Seriously, I don't want to Billy clubbing. Stop it. Stop it. You're Holy talking shit. about the future Super Bowl team. Um, so, yeah, so Cleveland, Cleveland, I mean, they should beat Jacksonville and the two New York City teams, which puts their floor at 10 and 6 for the season. <laughs> which means oh if the Ravens lose to the Steelers this week and fall to 6 and 6, they have to win out to, like, match what, oh what Cleveland's God. going to be within within their division. This is happening. Cleveland is going to the playoffs. We yeah, need to get ready looks, for this. This is, like, this is yeah, definitely happening. It looks like that. And now, oh, oh, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, all of their, their their last two games have gone exactly the way that they want it, they want it to go. Um, run the ball. I mean, and two bad weather games, too. And it's funny how I think bad weather games actually almost play into their game, their, their scheme, because they want to be a run first team and have Baker do only what he has to. That happened here. And whether the Eagles are good or not, they won the game because you've pointed this out, I think, a few weeks in a row. I mean, they hand the ball to Nick Chubb 20 times and he's he's getting yards for them. That's that's going to work out for them more often than not. Yep, and then uh, on the other side of the ball, we have the NFC East uh, leaders, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Jesus. Yeah, so earlier this year, you guys were really coming down hard on Carson Wentz, and I said I thought Carson Wentz was the only really redeemable thing they had. They had no line. He's getting beat up and all that. And I think that what I said then is true. I think you guys just might also be right. And for whatever reason, Wentz is just not it this year. No, I think it's I think it's something – it might be a rift between the coaching and and Wentz. Um, so you know, who knows? He's also making a lot of bad decisions too. Like that's what I'm saying. Know. Like he's second guessing the plays. Like he's just doing whatever he wants. Maybe to do. Um, I, I, it's hard because there was a few throws, and I thought I, I honestly have no idea what he was thinking there. And I've never played the position, so I don't know what he's looking at necessarily. But if my wife looks at the game and says what was he doing there and she's not analyzing it the way that i am then obviously there's something to that theory well the thing is i've never been an astronaut but i know not to go outside the spaceship without my helmet like you know sometimes <laughs> you just like <laughs> great That's you know awesome. you don't need like to have done the job to know that these decisions are terrible i think part of the reason he's making such bad decisions is that he keeps getting hit in the chest every time he drops back to pass oh yeah four string lineman blocking yeah. i mean he's been oh, he's been sacked 40 happen. times so that's four. That's Dude, four. Wow. Point. I mean, you're gonna. That that's that's wow. not <laughs> recipe for success. Yeah. And so the question becomes, Cleve, this is for you. This is your boy. Is it time for Jalen Hurts? I think so. I mean, I mean, they're gonna. Well, they could actually win the division. So, um, what would it hurt? You know, what would it hurt other than Carson's feelings? But what would it hurt to see what you got in, at least in Jalen? You know, two game, three game samples. See what he's gonna do. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, and I think, too, that if the line's going to be that bad, you know, Carson Wentz can move, but not like Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Yeah. But then but then you, if you're mortgaging the future on Jalen, then you're going to get him fucked up putting him out there with a, with a bullshit line. Yes, but you also so, put him out there with like, a chance to win the division. So, because the season's not over for that's them. That's true. It's, it's like 2 with the Dolphins. So it's more like we believe yeah, in you here. Yeah, that is exactly the example. Yes, you're, you're Well, it's, it's an interesting right. experiment because the ceiling for the Eagles is to win the division with a crappy record and lose in the first round and pick somewhere in the middle of the draft. Or it's not very good and their draft stock actually goes up by losing a whole bunch of games. So it, it seems to me like uh, outside of, again, you know, Carson getting, getting benched and having that whole drama – 
it doesn't seem to be a huge risk. I mean, obviously it is, you know, playing anybody you get you can get hurt, but um, it's not like they can win out and all of a sudden they have and lose in the first run and have a crappy draft pick. They can at least be picking in the middle or the bottom half, even if they, uh, you know, win the division. And the other side of it is they get a better draft pick because they suck. But but here's so so to Matt's point, there's a lot of upside. Uh, obviously, in today's point, you know, uh, from weeks ago, the high risk, high reward factor and what you're trying to do. Here's the thing I'm thinking about. And I know we're going to get to Joe Burrow in a few. See, like you don't want that kind of injury to a quarterback. We don't know if Carson's going to be there. Obviously, the money's tied into him. He's going to be there for the next 10 years. You may have a chance with Jalen. Who knows where he's going to be? So, again, to ca- kind of caution I wouldn't necessarily put him out there with a four-string four-string lineman as well, knowing that if I get this kid hurt, then we really got to stick with Carson for, for the next couple of years, unless we draft well. So I think that's reasonable. I also don't think that you can make decisions of fearing for players to get hurt unless in individual games where games are in hand one way or the other. Yeah. Well, let me recant what I was trying to say, Dave. I'm sorry to cut you. What I'm trying to say is that the Bengals were playing for fucking nothing. And obviously they're playing their number one, you know, the mm-hmm. number one pick. And now he has a catastrophic injury. Um, who knows what he's going to be after this? You know, wh- where he's going to be in his head that he tore his ACL and MCL. Like, he's fucked, you know? And it, they're just playing ball. Like, he's getting the experience. But they're not contending for anything right now. But I guess by that point then no team that contends should ever play their starters and they should just take them all out because no if you're i mean if your record is dog shit and you're not con- like you're not even close to no playoffs no kind of anything other other than playing spoiler for some other team that's, that's trying to win something at some point you got to shut people down I, yeah i guess i mean it just seems like it's a conservative way to think about it when I mean, they drafted Burrow to be the guy, and you have to have something to build on, whether they're playing for something or not. You could have made the argument that they were playing for shit at the beginning of the season because we knew they weren't going to be any good. I get what you're talking about, but also, like, the injuries, and I thought about this this week because I had a bunch of people texting me about, like, injuries and how they're up, and I'm like, football's an inherently violent game, and these things happen, and it's not like the Bengals threw him out there in a way that made you feel like he was completely unsafe. I mean, that could have happened and their record could have been five and five and it wouldn't have made mm-hmm. a lick of difference because he got hurt and you know, you don't ever want to see that. And I think with like Jalen Hurts, I mean, you obviously, anytime any guy goes out there, he's at risk of getting hurt, but coaching to that, it becomes a really, uh, you know, it's like a double-edged sword because it's like, well, if you coach to the injury part, then what, at what point do you start taking out your players to your point, Cleve? Like, I don't think it's an easy decision to make. And also, are you stunting growth by taking Burrow out and saying, hey, we're saving you for next season? He gets to, you know, he stops, uh, you know, learning to, you know, who to throw to. He stops, you know, making relationships, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, like, is there a risk of doing that too? Because then all of a sudden you're like, doing this start stop thing uh with with some of these guys and is that beneficial to them going forward i would make the argument that it could be detrimental i mean i mean and this is why you guys would make a great great gm and i wouldn't because again if i know that we're not playing for anything i'm like and and again matt you made a very eloquent point about anyone could get hurt at any time so it's, it's not me saying oh he shouldn't have been out there. The minute he puts a helmet on and steps on the field, injury is waiting to happen to any one of these guys. But what I'm saying is that at the, at the point now when this kid goes down and you saw him laying there, you're like, shit, we're, like, we're literally playing for fucking nothing. 
and this guy's still in the game. It's like, you know, it's just how I see it. From when I play football, I'm like, you know what? We're not, we're, we're owing whatever. And it's like, what, what point do you keep trotting out the starting quarterback? Like, why? For what? To win a game that doesn't matter for her end of the season? So that, that's just me. Yeah, I think that you have to play Joe Burrow the entire season when because you're trying to get him reps to get him used to the used to the game and you know injuries are just really you know the quarterback like that. I mean, really, it's really bad luck. Like Dak didn't really do anything wrong. You know, Kyler's out here running like crazy. Deshaun Watson's been hit a ton. Like they're they're in the game. Phillip Rivers hasn't missed a game in 94 years. You know, I just think that you know there's a little bit of luck to it and trying to trying to be like, oh, well, if we try to do this or mitigate or or whatever, it, it's you're going to mess yourself up by trying to manage the risk that there's really no way to really manage because it's all just blind luck anyhow. That's really what I'm trying to say. True. Okay. Yep. Um, so the next game here, I'm going to go a little bit out of order just because we were talking about Joe Burrow. So we'll go to Cincinnati. So we have Cincinnati 9 at Washington 20. So we mentioned the Joe Burrow injury, torn ACL, torn MCL, other structural damage. So the question is, mm-hmm. it should be like a 12-month injury. So should they bring him back next Thanksgiving or just sit him all of 21 and bring him back in 22? That's a perfect segue because I was going to say this decision is more along what you should be focusing on, Cleve. Because like playing him the whole year is one thing, but now bringing him back in the middle of the year, if they're 2-7... and seven, mm-hmm. Then you have a decision to make because he's coming off this kind of injury and you have to look at the risk reward thing. Like how much reward are we really getting by putting him in at game speed when he's been out for a year? So that's a great segue, Dave, because that's what I was thinking when we were going to get to this game was that that's really what Cleve is is really talking about is more a decision like that. Yeah, Cleve, what do you think? I so I've so I've uh, as you guys know, or if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm a trainer. One of my certifications is in corrective exercise, and I've trained I've trained guys coming back from uh, ACL tears, non-contact and contact. It, it kind of really doesn't matter once you tear your ACL. The thing is, is that it's also with the type of sport that football is, or like or how basketball. It's a it's a fast moving. He he may lose his edge on who he is. He's gonna have to get that back. And to add COVID to this, next year, hopefully COVID is a better situation. We're kind of getting back to some normalcy. He may have, you know, OTAs. He may have all the things going on. But to Matt's point, it's it's a 12-month to 14-month injury in some cases. The only genetic freak we've seen come back in, in less time was Adrian Peterson. That was the only guy that came back and actually played well on, on a... But, but was it Adrian Peterson so, in Achilles? No, I think it was a knee injury, right? I'm going to ACL? I'm going to look it up. You keep talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's ACL. Um, so to so I, so I guess Matt, yeah, you made the point for me that um, yeah. So next year, this time next year, if they're two and seven or two and eight or whatever, do you still bring them in? It's as well, going to play again for us. Yeah, and this is in line with what we talked about earlier with McCaffrey, where you know, do you consider shutting him down because he's already been hurt? The team isn't really that good, and I, it, this this is along those lines. Now, in this case, if I'm thinking about it, you know, it's like this is our guy. Like this is not the the star running back. This is the quarterback, and this is our guy. And it seems to make more sense to be a little bit more risk averse in this case because 
we want to make sure he's good for you know as at the, the years and we want to you know we want to ensure that if the team is two and seven or two and eight by the time he comes back yes you do get reps and you start building those relationships again but to your point Cleve, you know like there's there will be OTAs, there will be other things, you know, going into the the off season after that in which those things can get reestablished. And it just seems like an injury you don't want to rush back on for the, I mean, this guy represents your franchise right now. And so if you, yeah. the the idea to rush him out there, I mean, even if the team is winning, let's say they're seven and three, well, it's kind of like when Bledsoe got hurt and Brady came in, you got to stick with what's yeah. hot. And there's even more of an argument to keep Burrow out and then you bring him back the year after and see what happens. But um, th- that's just what I would do. And that's not because I'm, you know, more risk averse or whatever. It's just looking at this particular situation. You know, this is the yeah. guy. He's a commodity. He means more than other guys on the team, as much as that sounds cold. But think about the financial yeah. backing of it, insurance, all that kind of stuff. you got to take all those things into yep. consideration when you decide to play him. Because if it's up to just the football people, they'll obviously be like, we'll throw him out there. Well, you got to consider a lot more in this case because I think this is interesting given the fact that he would be available to come back in the middle toward the end of next season and not at the beginning of next season. Yeah, and and Dave, it was the reason I remember it. It was mm-hmm. ACL for Adrian Peterson. It was a case study that, that okay. I had to do for a class, and it was it was his ACL. Okay, so and yeah, ACL. the same. So yeah, so you know, you were you were right about that. I looked up his entire injury history. He had never did tear his Achilles. I for some reason I could have swore that he had, but maybe I just wish he had because he's such a jerk. Um, so <laughs> hey, he, he led the Lions and carries this week again, Dave. So let's you know let's let's watch it there. Dust ball. I mean, as, far as, as far as Adrian Peterson goes, leading the Lions and carries is like the most angelic thing he's ever done. So. Um, so the other thing <laughs> no, I want to mention on this game before we get to a situation uh, similar to what we we're just talking about about money and who do you play? Every team in the NFC East right now has uh, three wins. So can Washington win this division? Yeah, technically, technically, yeah. They, yeah you know what I mean? They can. I do know what you mean. No, so all right, I'll take this one if you don't mind. So obviously we know who's winning this division, and they didn't play this week, but. Um, no, I, I think if you're looking at, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pile of dog shit, this, this division. Nobody's going to argue anything <laughs> other than that. But when you're comparing dog shit to dog shit, I think the other teams in the league are more talented than Washington. I think Washington is actually probably the least talented team in the league. Um, I mean, right now they're throwing out Alex Smith. And yes, they won this game and technically they're in it. But I don't really think they have a shot. I do realistically think either the Cowboys, Giants, or Eagles are more likely to win it. Not with a good record, mind you, but I I just think if you're comparing the four teams, Washington is the least likely to win it just because they don't don't really stack up on paper. Correct. Okay, so then the next game we have, we have the Falcons 9 at the Saints 24, and the Saints decide to start Taysom Hill in this game over Jameis Winston. That's and great. that was um, an interesting decision. Now, Taysom Hill did go 18 of 23, 231 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. But he did also carry the ball 10 times for 51 yards and two touchdowns. Notably, 12 of his 23 attempts went to Mike Thomas because he knows the rule. You don't throw at dust balls when you got Mike Thomas. Yeah. And also, he knows the – just to kind of defend why – I guess why they went with Taysom over, over – um, over my man, his turnover machine, uh, is that he knows the offense. He's been there. 
Jameis showed up and Jameis might not even know the playbook. Uh, I think it's because they paid Taysom Hill more money. I think that's part of it. I also think it comes down to Sean Payton feeling like he knows his personnel. Um, the scheme... The, Trust. Uh, well, this, they schemed this game to near perfection. I mean, most of the passes I mean, that Taysom Hill threw were coming off play action. Obviously, you know he's a running threat in some way. And, you know, they, they what, what I liked is while they kept somewhat of a leash on him, you didn't feel like they weren't... Like, you know what I mean? Like they were staying away from allowing him to do stuff. They at least allowed him to pass downfield. Um, you know, the passes looked good. It wasn't like he was throwing wobbles there. He didn't look like he didn't know what his reads were and other things. And he didn't try to run every single time. It seemed like it was a very, uh, it was a very um, good game plan. It seemed like they, they looked at what they had on the team. And Sean Payton, I know he gets called like a genius and all that when he only has the one Super Bowl. But I think he's a top-tier coach who knows how to scheme around what he has. And it was successful, granted, against a 3-7 and seven team that's, uh, you know, going nowhere. So here's, here's the problem, though, is that I, I didn't like their game plan at all in the first half, and they struggled in the mm-hmm. first half. I think you're right. In the second half, they got it together. But while Michael yes. Thomas had 12 targets, Alvin Kamara only had one. But that just tells me that Taysom Hill has more ceiling to find. If you're only throwing the ball at Alvin Kamara one time, like, do that seven times, and you'll be even better. So... You know, I actually think that Taysom Hill is even better than what we than what we saw uh, in this game. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and and again, if they keep like you said, if like he's he's recognizing that there's more ceiling to be had, and they keep at least trying to adjust their game plans for what they know that their strengths and weaknesses are, it, it's it's helpful. Um, you know, but what happens when they reach a good team and they need to rely on him to win a game with just his arm? We'll see what happens there. Um, and he did turn the ball over once. He did fumble. So it wasn't like he was uh, turnover free the whole game. But I think relatively you could not have asked at least for a better outcome, especially if you're like a Saints fan. You're thinking, I mean, really? Taysom Hill over, you know, Jameis? And... But Jameis wouldn't have gave you no. those numbers that Dave no, rattled but off. Like, and to mean... your point, Cleve, I want to quote you directly. Quote, he's not a real quarterback, end quote. So um, <laughs> if... if I gotta explain I know that. You do, so, but I'm saying, like, if you're a casual Saints fan, you're thinking, really? And to have this outcome has to at least be assuring in some ways. But go ahead with your not in your quarterback. So when I said that, I should have expounded on the text offline. So what I said about that was compared to Jameis Winston, like he's a Swiss Army knife of a quarterback. Like he, when the NFL was so infatuated with the Wildcat and all that shit back in the day. Like he's just, he can be put out on the field with another quarterback, and they can run stuff around him. Like he he's a he's one of those special kind of gadget guys that they can put in. Um, I think uh, and Dave might chop my head off for this, but remember the Steelers old quarterback? Um, what was his name? Uh, I ain't saying it. I know who you're talking oh about. God. I'm not saying his name. Cordell Stewart. What? Yeah, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not I, saying I, it I because yeah. the hell Mary and the way he did Porsche. It was it was great. Yep. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> See, I know you guys well, so I know how to get to Dave. And you should have said it, Dave. But yeah, it's, it's just I think. And when I said I wasn't disrespecting Taysom Hill, I'm because I think he's actually a pretty good player. But he's a Swiss Army knife. Like he, he can be put in. He's serviceable. Um, I wouldn't have trusted Jameis to go in there. And again, to Dave's numbers, Jameis wouldn't have so, gave you that. So, I, mean, Taysom, oh, I was going to say that Taysom Hill yeah, to, to Cleve's point about him not being a real quarterback. On Yahoo and FanDuel this weekend, he was actually listed as a tight end. 
In See? He's a in Swiss my Army league, he was a quarterback and a tight end, and I started him in my tight end slot and still lost. Um, wow. Okay, just real quick. I just want to say... <laughs> Yeah, I'm that going to say that you're play great. a starting quarterback who runs for two touchdowns in your tight end spot and you still lose, your team is probably not very good. Sorry. Can I can I also <laughs> mention that my starting other starting quarterback is Mahomes and I still lost and I'm three and seven. So there's that. Um, but I think I want to end this with Taysom Hill because I think uh, one of our friends said it best. He's a football player and you can play him anywhere on the football field. No, knock on wood if you're with me. Um, uh, yeah, and notice we did not mention the Falcons, and we're not going to start now. So the, the next game nope. that we have here, Cleve, are the fighting New York Jets 28 at the Los Angeles Chargers 34. I'll say this every week until the cows come home. How the fuck is Adams Gase's key still working to the building right now? I just, I just don't understand. Could one of you guys explain to me what would be the point of keeping? Oh, obviously, the, you know the season's going to be over, but we're we've this week's loss, we're eliminated from contention. Like it's it's not going to happen. It's like Trump saying, "I'm not going to concede. We have to concede now. It's over." And it's just I don't even know how um, we can't like get like we can't squeak out a win. I don't I don't get it. So I, I do want to say it. about this game about the Jets. I only made one note here, besides the fact they were officially eliminated from the playoffs, um, which is that Denzel Mims had three <laughs> catches for 71 yards, and he really does look like the real deal. And as soon as you get him away from Adam Gase, uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna develop, but like he's gonna be good. So you do have a good offensive weapon right there. Yeah. Now, last week you may recall I was very angry with Anthony Lynn because Justin Herbert threw the ball like 25 times or whatever, and Keenan Allen had like six targets. And Caleb Balazs carried the ball, I think, 349 times. Anthony Lane listens to political <laughs> football. He must. He has to. The Chargers right. were never <laughs> in doubt of losing this game. This game was never close. <laughs> Justin Herbert threw the ball 49 <laughs> times. Ian Allen had 22 targets. <laughs> Finally, Anthony Lynn's like, you know what? Oh, this is how you win. Yeah. Game said it. I'm just going to keep throwing the ball to Keenan Allen over and over and over and over and over again. And they did a bull lead, and it wasn't that close, and they just won the game, and good for him. Yeah. I had two notes on this game. One, Herbert made a throw on the run across his body that was very Mahomes-like. Um, for a touchdown and then uh, this I think I said this offline but this game had one of the most Chargers jet sequences ever <laughs> in it where Keenan Allen fumbled thinking he was in Jets recovered and Joe Flacco immediately threw a pick six so what do you guys wrote and I was waiting for the show to uh, kind of address this you go is Joe Flacco that, in that was Dave mark. and I laughed so hard so when I <laughs> So, so, Dave, why did you write that? Okay, so the reason I asked that is that this is an old-school internet meme uh, where basically Twitter was arguing. Back when, like, Joe Flacco was to the Super Bowl with the Ravens and whatnot, he got that huge contract. The question was, like, is he elite? Does he deserve all this money? Is he one of the best quarterbacks or or whatever? So now you ask that ironically, every time Joe Flacco does something that's obviously terrible, like throw maybe the worst pick six of the year. I Like, that was so bad. First of all, Joe Flacco had decent arm strength. So I don't know why that ball was floating out there. Like, I could have gotten the ball up to that receiver faster. But that was 
you know, so it's a shallow flat from the one yard line ahead of Gase, Jesus. Um, that the Chargers picked off while back in the end zone. So immediately they just had to figure out was he a leak. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Cleve. Um, so real quick, so for listeners who are not who, who are casual fans, obviously Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, but I think that he gets I don't know his stats from that season. He gets way more credit than that defense um, that was out there. So he played with a couple of Hall of Famers on defense that kept the games pretty close so he can win. So, yeah, I don't think he's uh, in the league. That, so. that Super Bowl was, I think, a Michael Crabtree catch away from being lost. And that was that the one yes. where they lost power? Uh, there's that. Yeah. But the other note to make is after the game, Frank Gore uh, quoted him as saying, they need to win a game because he can't go out at 0-16. And, and I said, well, if you didn't stick around for 30 years, you know. <laughs> he led the team in carries. He's like 100 years old. Yo, Speaking of dust that balls, is the That is the most balls. durable quarter um, running back that I, I've I agree, but seen. I thought. This guy just shows up every year. I get it. And he's he's been on every team in the AFC East but the Patriots, I think. But um, the <laughs> thing is, is like, well, when you stick around as long, at some point you're going to be on a bad enough team and you signed with the Jets. Like, I, like yeah. it seems like his expectations were a little uh, out of whack. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Also, um, I like Frank Gore as a player, uh, but I also don't like Frank Gore because every time I see that he's third on the rushing list and past Barry Sanders, I'm just like, you're a fraud. You know, compiler. Yeah, he, well, he stuck around for like, like he stuck around for. If Barry, if Barry still played, I would think that, and Emmett probably wouldn't have played to eighteen thousand yards. Barry right, would be number like, one or number it, two. Frank Gore is like the career version of the like. I don't know if you guys ever discussed this. Like, if you played in an NBA basketball game, how many points would you score? And like for me, it's like four. Yeah. Like, if, like I get like a couple shots up. One of them will go in, you know, something like that. Get an offensive rebound, a little bit like that. But like, I couldn't defend anybody. I get crushed. Nobody passes the ball to me. I can still score a couple points in an NBA game. That's what Frank Gore is in the NFL for like the last seven years. Like, if you just hang around enough, you'll get 400 yards a season and eventually pass Barry Sanders. Well, he's what yeah. I, he's. I yeah. I call this in baseball all the time. He's a compiler. Like, he's one of yeah. those players who, it's like, is he really that good? Or is he just around enough to accumulate good enough stats that it has, co- that has aggregated up to what look like Hall of Fame numbers? That's what I think he is. Who was that quarter? Was it Jeff Garcia, the one that had to play Boy Bunny White or whatever? Man, he played for like a thousand teams. Yeah, crushed the CFL too. Forever. Yeah. Okay, so the next game here, <laughs> this is a... This, this is a good one. We have the Cowboys 31 at the Vikings 28. And the first thing I noted about this game is that Andy Dalton might be one of my favorite quarterbacks ever because I realize as I'm just tilting my head off about all these quarterbacks throwing the dust balls that Andy Dalton doesn't do it. He didn't do it in Cincinnati. He came in the league, saw A.J. Green, and immediately started throwing him the football. And here we have seven targets for Amari Cooper, <laughs> seven targets for CeeDee Lamb, five for Michael Gallup on 32 total attempts. When you account for the two targets to Zeke, that's 21 for 30 of 32 targets to the good players. Like, and they squeak out a win. And the thing, too, is that Kirk Cousins doesn't throw with the dust balls either, right? 21 total, uh, 21 targets for Thielen and Jefferson and Delvin Cook, seven for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to know why my team in fantasy football keeps losing, it's because one of the teams in the league has both Delvin Cook and Adam Thielen, and I played them this week. Uh, so that's that's what happened. But uh, this was an interesting game because 
I talked to my brother-in-law about this, and I'm like, are you happy the Cowboys won? And he's like, not really. And I'm like, yeah. Like, obviously, they're not going to go out there and tank it, but them winning this game, yes, puts them in contention for the division, but their ceiling is the same as the Eagles in that they could win the division and lose in the first round, and they get to pick in the middle of the draft. Does that really benefit you long-term when they don't have a lot of their starters? Are they, like... So it's an interesting concept, whereas the Vikings had a little bit less to lose because if they won, they'd be five and five, and they're already well past the idea of being like a yeah, top so ten the, pick. Yeah, here's the thing about Most that, likely. though, and I presume we're going to be doing some NFL draft content in the offseason and stuff like that. I think the Cowboys are actually in a fine position to pick in the middle of the draft because they're set at a lot of the at the more difficult positions, and what they need is offensive linemen. So when you pick, like, Cesar Ruiz was the first interior lineman off the board of the Saints this year at 20, right? You, If they pick 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, they should easily be able to get the best interior lineman in the draft if that's what they want to do. Um, So I actually think that they're in a fine position. They got C.D. Lamb at 17 last year. So I think that they're actually in a much better position to do that than a team that, say, needs a quarterback, you know, someone like that, then, like, mm-hmm. Washington then maybe losing might be a little bit more, might be a little bit better, but Dak's coming back next year. So you just get a little bit better. You maybe can take the top tight end on the board um, in that in that situation as well to really sort of just give them even more weapons. So I don't think that's as much a concern for the Cowboys as it is for some of the other, the other uh, dustier teams in the, in the division. Well, I just find it an interesting question to bring up for a team that's technically in the race for their own division and it's like draft high draft pick or win your division and those two things usually aren't happening in the same conversation where you're like you know if your team is in the in line for the division they're probably more like seven and so i have a i have a spicy take uh for this the winner of the washington dallas game on thanksgiving will win the division yep okay he didn't learn tonight. anything from last week. You're already discounting our New York football I'm, Giants. I'm, I'm just, I'm. Well, here's the thing: oh. is that I think that even though the New York Giants are clearly <laughs> the premier organization of football, the loss of Saquon Barkley is just a little too great for them, and their backup running backs, unfortunately, just aren't as good as Andy Dalton is as a backup quarterback for Dak Prescott. So that's the reason that's why fair. i think that might that might be the case you know it's just that injury luck really got the uh-huh. giants it's the only thing can ever stop them for being honest um so that's why i think that also i want to talk about the cd lamb catch uh, just absolutely oh, absurd so good i cannot believe he was the what the third receiver off the board in in this draft that rugs went ahead of judy and cd lamb is insane um and if the listeners have not seen this catch you can just google cd lamb Cowboys touchdown or something like that. Like, it's going to pop up. Absolutely ridiculous. Not really mm-hmm. a goal line fade. More like a slot fade. Um, ball comes over the wrong shoulder. Turns full extension midair. Catches it with one hand as he's falling to the ground. It was like yep. like a mini version of that Odell Beckham catch. Just, just, just an awesome, awesome play. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, I talk about the rookies that have translated. And I didn't mention him uh, last week because the Cowboys were off. But... He's, he's done it as well. And this rookie wide receiver class was really touted coming in. And they're they're the they're the real deal. The uh the next game we have here, uh, I don't have much to say about this game. We have the Dolphins 13 at the Broncos 20. Um the big thing out of this is that Tua got hurt, but then was also benched 
and I'm not sure which which that it was. Fitz comes in, throws the game ceiling interception, uh, and the Broncos get out with a with a win. <laughs> you, they disrupted <laughs> Fitzy's magic, bro. Um, you guys know that you can't like you can't disrupt the guy's magic. So what I took away from this game was I think I brought it up maybe two weeks in a row about the Dolphins' offensive line. And how they seem to have been playing over their ceiling a little bit. And Tua got sacked six times in this game. Uh, They came back down to what I think has been their baseline. And this is what you saw. I mean, I I just feel like they had, they were running off some adrenaline high from the the quarterback switch, which is fine. Uh, The irony, though, is that Fitzpatrick (laughs) didn't get sacked. So I don't know what that, that doesn't tell, I don't know if that tells you anything, but it's like, wait, Tua got sacked six (laughs) times and Fitzy didn't get touched? Um, but the the Broncos also spread the ball. I mean, Drew Locke is not great. I think we both, we've said that. But, I mean, they gave the ball to Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon 30-something times, like 31 times, and they were successful doing that. And it really helped them control the game a little bit. But, I mean, he threw the ball eight times to Jerry Judy, even though he only had three catches. But, I mean, to your point, Dave, like you got to throw it to – the guys that you know right, are to your Judy, best Fant, uh, Hamler. Uh, I actually think Tim Patrick's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually think Denver's got a lot of good offensive no. uh, offensive players. Really, unless you're starting at Deshaun Hamilton, you're you know you're not doing too bad uh, mm-hmm. too bad for Denver. So yeah, just real quick on on that game because you know we'll have to see what the Dolphins decide to do at quarterback going forward before we really know anything about about this one. Uh, the next the next games we got some stuff to talk about, so we do want to get to them. We've got the um, Packers yep. 31 at the Colts 34. The Packers led 28 to 14 at halftime. Let Phillip Rivers come back on them. And here's the thing. Losing my mind all game. Aaron Rodgers had 38 attempts. Only eight of them to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams turned those eight targets into seven catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. Do you think that maybe if Aaron Rodgers didn't throw the ball 30 times, to everybody, because everybody else on that team is a dust ball without question. If you didn't throw it 30 times to Marcus Veldis Scantling and Elm Zard and who knows who else, like Devontae Adams needs 15 targets a game minimum, probably 20. They lost this game by three because they refused to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. Yeah. You know, I. The what defense? they on him? Who cares? Like, yeah. No, no. I mean, I mean, obviously, because if you, if 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 they're doubling or tripling one Devontae guy, Adams is one, one of the other three or four best wide receivers in the league. Even if they are doubling him, like it's it's what it's what Deshaun Watson knew about Nuke. You just throw it at Nuke Hopkins, right? Like it doesn't matter what the what the defense or what they're trying to do or whatever. Throw it at Devontae Adams. Oh no! I mean. We've, yeah, we've seen that right. with like Peyton and, and and Marvin Harrison. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, so like, yeah, we've right. seen Brandon like we seen like dynamic never led that team in targets done, in a so, game. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not scouting. Like, and so wow. that's the thing here. <laughs> yeah, and I can understand Cleve, to your point about the double Devontae or whatever. That would be more important if the Packers had literally anybody else at the position, right? If it wasn't Devontae and Dust Balls, if they had a second wide receiver who might not be that great, but was still kind of good, like a Christian Kirk, uh, Jacoby Myers type, then yeah, then maybe that team, that player gets more targets because he's still got some talent or whatever. 
but they literally only have Devontae Adams, and that's by design because they took Jordan Love in the first round and AJ Dillon in the second, and neither of them were playing. Yes. And if you if you remember our show back, I think week six or something like that, we said that this would this may happen, and we're probably starting to see it now. Is that as we go into like the 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 latter part of the season, not having a second option may hurt them. Oh, will hurt them. It already did. Uh, this is definitely the AFC South telling me to go fuck myself. Um, and uh, I'm waiting for the announcement that next week's Colts-Titans game will be flexed to the last week of the season in prime time so that the NFL can tell me to go fuck myself. Um, because that's what I... As soon as the Colts won this game, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's going to be Colts-Titans for the division, isn't it? And I'm going to have to sit and watch that shit. And no, no, no. I was like, it's next week, but I'm just waiting for that announcement. But, I mean, the Packers are just not, like... I think, Dave, you said this a few weeks ago. They're not a complete team. And if they're not going to throw it to Devontae Adams, like, all the time, they don't really have a lot of other options. Right. And I mean, and, yeah, sorry. So, like, some they, of those targets are to Robert so. Tunyon and to Aaron Jones. And, like, they're both they're both a decent players. It's just, it's about the rate, right? You throw the ball yeah. 38 times, 15 minimum yeah. to Devontae, or you're going to lose. Yeah. Like, it, it's not even really hard to figure out. <laughs> you know, if you're throwing the ball to losers, you lose. I. God. Mm-hmm. They, they know what that reminds me of? That episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air when it's like, just get Will the Stop ball. targeting Carlton. <laughs> Don't throw it to Carlton. <laughs> just get Will the ball. Excellent. Well, I mean, the Colts are obviously, they're 7-3. They're and three. Like, I can't say anything bad about them. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens at the end. I mean, there's yep. six the, games uh, the left. The next game we have here. Oh, we have the Chiefs 35 at the Raiders 31. First and foremost, I said last week that the Chiefs were going to absolutely pound the Raiders. So first, in week five, I said the Raiders were Mike Pence, and then they beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And clearly we know Mike Pence is a loser now. And then uh, they actually come in this week that the Chiefs were going to absolutely <laughs> destroy the Raiders. And the Raiders actually could have won this game very, you know, in a lot of situations they do win this game. So a lot of credit to the Raiders for being maybe the best team against the Chiefs um in in the league but Mahomes is at, uh, 34 45 348 yeah. two touchdowns he, one interception I mean I mean you know honestly that's a that's a court that's a quarterback of the future man like that now I see why people why <laughs> Alex Smith packed his shit and was like I got to I got to leave you know like I got I got there's no way I'm going to contend with this um, the thing, uh, let me start with this. I love the Raiders Stadium. I don't know why. I think it's a, it's a cool stadium, whatever. But anyway, so I'm watching the game, and <laughs> today's point, I was like, wait a minute, they should be blowing these guys out. How are these guys still in this game? But they could have easily won that game as well. But Mahomes is just like, when you have him yeah, on the field, I do want to point out too, because I've been saying this about all these other teams that are losing games, and it's driving me crazy. So Mahomes with the ball is 45 times. The running backs had 23 carries. So you got two to one pass to rush, you know, basically. Mahomes had a couple carries or whatever. But the thing is, the Chiefs running backs are good. You got Clyde over to Lair and Le'Veon Bell. So even though they have good running backs, they still know to keep throwing the football. And then as far as the, the passes go, 45 passes, 26 of them went to Tyreek or Kelsey, right? So Mahomes knows you throw it to the really good players. And then 
you can start sort of spreading it out in and whatever. And that's just they're well coached. The quarterback knows what to do with the ball. They're they're the best team. Um, I think I said offline that I had thoughts. Dave, you you texted about Mahomes, and I said I was going to save it for the show. When I was watching that game, it made me think about his body of work, and I thought to myself, Mahomes is skewing the way that we we like visualize football in, in, in a way that's like what he does and the ease at which he does it like that that last drive was so easy and and he makes throws and it's like we have normalized that to the point that we expect that from him like that's how good he is and when we watch other players it's hard not to compare right like it's hard to look and say i don't understand how how that doesn't happen for them and it's because he is so good in a way that has changed at least for me the way that I'm watching football because I used to not see those things on the regular and now they happen so regularly with him that it's just I mean it's incredible to watch and I do feel like it's just it's just changed how I compare players because it's like I know nobody's on that level but when you see what he's able to do and it's like I always say that you could put together tape of Patrick Mahomes and there'd be a whole bunch of stuff that you would tell your high school quarterback, don't do that. Do not do that. And yes. yet he does yes. it. And I'm like, he does it in a way that is so fluid. It's so effortless. I mean, throwing on the run across his body, like nine times out of 10, that throw is like, you're like, no, 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 no. And yet he does it and it's a fucking dime. And but that's how baseball, like when they come across the field and they throw, like that's the that's the baseball. No, player. it is. But I'm just saying, like that, what he's able to do on the field compares to nobody that's mm-hmm. out there right now in the in the effortless mm-hmm. effortlessness that the way he does it. And that quote that Andy Reid had about, "Hey, how did you feel in that last drive?" And he's like, "I've got Patrick Mahomes. That's all I need." And I said, "That's how Kingsbury should be thinking about Kyler instead of kicking field goals." And that's just my thought. Like it was so much more than just this game. It was like Mahomes is changing football in just the way that we're seeing it because what he does is so unlike what we've seen before in in so many ways. I got three things uh, to to uh, kind of piggyback the Andy Reid quote. The only time, the only other time I saw a quote like that was Phil Jackson. As much as him and Kobe used to bump heads. He said, if the game's on the line, I want him with the ball in his hand at the end or him guarding the guy against that we're going against. So it's like kudos that the coach has that kind of trust in you. Second of all, I was a believer in Mahomes in mm-hmm. the Texans game last year. Was it last year? When they were getting, like they were just getting stomped and then all of a sudden they came back. He was calm on the sidelines like, um, we're good, we're good, we're good, guys, we're good. Like it's not over, we're good. So he actually plays to the whistle or whatever. And to Matt's point, when you watch, if you're a casual fan, that's how you think, wait a minute, like everything I've saw, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to run across the field looking guy off and and throw the ball on a dime. Yep. So, and so, yeah, you know. I mean, Mahomes is just great. Uh, yeah. Derek Carr had a good game too. Two of the 75 yards, three touchdowns. Nobody cares because Mahomes is just so much, um, so much better. So <laughs> the, the Rams and the Bucks were the last game. The Rams 27, the Bucks 24. A uh, couple things here I just want to say. First, the Bucks are fraudulent. Uh, they aren't good. Um, 
Yep, I just I'm not I'm not really? buying it. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're gonna do anything okay. in the playoffs. I think they'll make it, but I don't think they're gonna do much once they get there. Uh Tom Brady, I mean twenty six of forty eight, two sixteen, two touchdowns, two picks, like just awful. And then oh my goodness. The Buccaneers have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. Now given those four options cleave. On the last play of the game that Brady threw the pick that ended the game, he threw a deep seam route to which of those four players? Cameron Bright. Stop throwing the ball to the ball. Who the fuck is that? What are you doing? Just throw it, (laughs) force it to Mike Evans. Why are you even even on the field? Like, you're trying to win the game. Cameron Bright should be getting water for Mike Evans. Of course, it's a perfect way to end the week. I'm just tilting. I don't have anything on this game. I'm just tilting because they're trying to throw a deep seam route to Cam Brait. When you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, why'd you sign Antonio Brown? I just, I just think the team. I think the team plays to who Tom Brady is that week, because it seems that I don't know if you guys know the show. The show, we're either bashing Tom Brady or we're praising him. One week to another, so we'll see how they how they end up. Today's point, they're going to make the playoffs, and we'll see how the pairings you know fall and see where they end up. I do think it's worth noting, and I'm not bashing Brady. I think I've actually been pretty fair to him most of the season. I mean, but the decision making all of a sudden now, it 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 feels like we're there's some decline there in a way because to dave's point when you have the weapons that he named off and you're throwing it to the guy that i said only shows up on third and goal from the four why are you doing that when on the other side of the ball golf threw it to woods and cooper cup like 30 times and they turned that into 23 catches for like almost 300 yards right and i just wonder is is this the kind of decline, like obviously we see physical skills that Brady still has, but is this is this some of the decline? Is it come in the decision making thing? Does he have too many weapons to the point that like? And, but even if he had too many weapons, like why are you throwing it to a guy that's not a weapon? Because throwing it to Cameron Brady is not some gotcha moment, and all those other guys aren't double covered. So I, I just wonder. Like I I saw some of the throws and I thought, why was he throwing that? Like where was he throwing that to? And we aren't traditionally accustomed to. Saying uh, that yeah, so I think Tom Brady is, is I mean, he's still he's still good. Like he he's not washed at all or anything like that. But my, my thought is this, Cleve, you like no. when I do this, and so I wanted to set this up. If you switch Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield, both these teams are in the exact same spot. And Baker on the Bucks. Yeah. The exact same I mean, like Tom Brady on the same Brown, record, right? same everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's almost Yeah, it's I mean <laughs> If, like you said, Mike Evans probably, and then Antonio Brown a second. Are they better? Oh, well, is Antonio better than Landry? So, yeah, I, I would say that I, you have a good argument there. Um, same fucking situation, I guess. I don't know. It, it's just Tom Brady, like I said, it's week to week with this guy. It's week mm-hmm. to week. So, some weeks he's, and you could tell by how the coach dresses him down week to week. And I think I was joking with Matt offline. I'm like, you know, if Arians takes another shot at me, I'm coming in with the Super Bowl trophy. And it's, I'm gonna shower with it. I'm gonna, it's gonna be in my locker. I'm doing interviews with the next. Well, day. Bruce Arians say, "Hey, hey Cam Brady on the most high leverage play of the game." So, mm-hmm. I mean, he did put did Cam Brady on I mean, the field. He, I suppose. Did he scheme it up? Did he draw the play up? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he probably said, "Hey, you know what? 
they're not they're not gonna expect this. <laughs> see, I just I don't know if I buy that because I don't see that as being like Tom's been in the league twenty something years, and I don't feel like that kind of a gotcha play is what's gotten him to this point. Like you throw to your bread and butter, and with four guys that are your bread and butter, why are you doing the gotcha quote unquote play when you've got those four guys? Like. There's no reason to. It's not like they're doubling your one guy, so you're going for the gotcha guy. You've literally got a cornucopia to bring it back to Thanksgiving of fucking receivers <laughs> and weapons, and you're like, yeah, let's throw it to the the Cameron Bray. Let's throw it to that guy. It just, I don't know. Like that's why I think decision making really is something to look out for on a week to week basis. Because even if Arians is putting out a guy like Cameron Bray, Tom is at that place. He's making the decision. Well, see, I'm glad you said that because I think the only quarterback that we ever saw that that had the balls to do that was Peyton Manning because Tony Dungeon's admission in his book that and in, in OTA, before OTAs, the playbook was sent to Peyton and he edited like, listen, we're not going to run these 300 plays. They're, they're out. We're going to run this. And that's it, you know. So if you get a play call, and this is to both of you guys, um, veteran quarterback Tom Brady, you know, crazy sweat equity. Um, play just seems wrong. Do you execute the plans? You know what, Cameron Braid here, or do I pick of my three guys, which two uh, could be a number you one? Don't throw it to Cam Braid under lead. any circumstance. What do I do with the game on the line? Throw it away. Like, mm-hmm. right. it's, it's not like it was a quick yeah. out. Yeah, throw it away or just throw. say, fuck him. He can't Cam Braid on a 20 yard <laughs> seam. You know what I mean? Like, like he's, like he's prime Jimmy Graham. Like, what are you doing? You know, it, it, it makes just absolutely no sense. Just force it to Mike Evans if, if you're going to do that. So, anyways, mm-hmm. that's all I had to say on um uh, on that game. Anything else for you guys on the Rams uh, with the win here against the Bucks? Rams. What I do mean, you guys think playoff? Really, really, that entire <laughs> well, the Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals should all go, and nobody from the NFC East should go. Um, and I think all, I, there's a chance all three of them do get in though. So. Okay, so mm-hmm. now looking forward, yeah. looking yeah. forward to uh, next week. Obviously, we have the three Thanksgiving games: uh, Texans, Lions. If Galladay and Swift are back, this one's going to be really fun. Like forty-four, forty-one, just, just it should, it should be like crazy, mm-hmm. high-scoring, good, good games. Um, we mentioned Washington, the Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers. We'll see what if that game even happens. Uh, getting to Sunday. The first game they have listed here, I think, is actually the best game on the schedule, and that's the Chargers at Buffalo. Yeah, because I think the Chargers are way yeah, better than the record. Game. So that should be that's a really a good, good one. Obviously, Matt mentioned we have the Titans and the Colts, which is a battle for the division and a home a home playoff game. The game's in the Dome, so I think that favors the Colts a little bit. Um, the Vikings host the Panthers, and we saw the Panthers' fierce defense shut out the Lions, so I think Dalvin Cook may, may struggle. Lord help me. Um, uh, oh, the Browns are the Jays. The Browns are going to 8-3. Oh, here we go. Here we go. The New York Giants yeah. might actually have a chance to uh, really show what they can do. They are at Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Um, by the Can't way, when the Bengals win this game, this bit about the mm-hmm. Giants is over. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Patriots. The Patriots cold water the Cardinals, all over Matt. it, bro. Um, are you guys going to be home dogs to Arizona? I would think so. I mean, what, why wouldn't they be? It, it would seem like the kind of game where the Patriots haven't had a good. Their defense hasn't been able to stop consistent offense, and uh, Arizona has been fairly consistent most of the time. And after a loss last week, you'd like to think that they, you know, pressing the gas pedal against a floundering Patriots team, regardless of whatever they. Well, I just can't wait for the showdown with Larry Fitzgerald and Demir Bird. So uh, then we have the Dolphins at the Jets. I think this <laughs> might be the Jets' best chance. It it might be. I mean. You think so? Because there's some quarterbackness up in the air, and for the Dolphins, and their running backs are still all hurt, and the Jets, like, they have to know. They have to know. Like, and I think they might get Darnold back. So this might be this might be their best their best chance. The Raiders play the Falcons. If Matt Ryan can get anything going, that game's going to hit the over. Um, mm. The Broncos host the Saints. Yeah, that's that's going to be an ugly game. Oh. Um, uh, but another chance for Taysom to show what show what he can do Slaughter. in Denver. Yep. Is that in Denver? Or uh, that we in have the Rams hosting the 49ers, okay. which the Rams should just take care of business there. That makes them 8-3. and three. Yep. And then the last yep. game on the on the day slate, eight and three. the Chiefs at Tampa Bay. Yeah, let's go get you fast, Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, so we're going to see probably yeah. the greatest yeah. quarterback to ever play the game go against Tom Brady. Um, the... <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's actually fair. Like, I make that – no, no, no. So, so I actually talk about that a lot because when people say, like, I think there is a difference between being the – like, Brady obviously is the greatest winner – but skill wise, like we're not going to compare Mahomes and Brady on a skill wise level. Like that, that's that, that, to me, I think that that's a fair thing to say because, like, have we ever seen a quarterback like Mahomes do what he's doing? Right? It, I mean, maybe the jury's still out on on some of that, but talent wise, I, I think they're not really in the same league. I mean, Tom has been able to win for a lot of different factors, and not all of it is just because he can do a whole bunch of stuff that Mahomes can do. But when does Tom ever have this type, this type of lineup that Dave just ran off to us? That I he agree. Has, that he has these receivers and he has Cameron Braid right. out there. So. Yeah, I, I gotcha. I, like Cam Braid should not even be allowed there in the stadium. Oh, it's not even his fault, but just like, oh, like Matt's right, third and goal. That's it. <laughs> uh, and then, hey, Sunday night we get the Bears back in prime time at the Packers. Flex the Titans Colts to that, please. Oh my God! The fuck? Or, or the Bills Chargers. Yep. Justin yes, Herbert and yes, Josh Allen in prime time. NFL. Mm-hmm. God, the Bears again. Um, yes, please, please. And then next please. Monday night, I just want to talk about this a little bit. Um, <laughs> we have the we have the Eagles hosting the Seahawks. I just need the listeners out there. It's still a bit. Of, it's still a bit of a ways away. There is a chance. There's a better chance than most people do have of me being able to win a large amount of money this year and I won't get into it until next week if I happen to qualify it's basically fantasy football and you use the first 12 weeks to qualify and I'm on the cusp of qualification and I have Russ Wilson DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett so next Monday night 
can all of us just please just have the Seahawks put up like 60 points? Because Russ goes for 450 and 5, 3 to Metcalf, 2 to Lock, and each get 150 yards. Like. I mean, Dave, you're lucky that one of their dust balls. Especially because I also have Will Disley on this team, or if I call him Will Dusley. Yeah. he um, oh. it was late late round paper whatever. So actually, yes, Greg Olson being out is is good, and he is in a Larry Fitzgerald category. Of was great now washed but dust ball, but yeah. So next Monday night, um, I'll be texting with you guys. I'll be a nervous wreck. I just need the Seahawks to score eight billion points. <laughs> okay, so that's the preview for next week. Um, Khalid, get us out of here. All right, so obviously, guys, you know, this week is Thanksgiving. Um, a lot of us, uh, the three of us actually, you know, we're all transplants to this area. We all hail from different parts of the country. And obviously, we won't be able to spend any time with um, the family that we really don't get to see. And obviously, we haven't seen our families uh, in quite some time. I mean, like for me, it's a four-hour drive. I haven't seen my mom in literally like a year. And it's, it just feels weird. Um, they said that three million people are traveling, so... If you did take Go a chance home. to travel and you're listening to this show, uh, please Turn be careful around. and and do the best you can. But yeah, it's 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 kind of like I don't even know what's like what's happening with that or why people are risking that when we have so many other things that you know we could be doing. So um, I'm thankful for a lot of things this year, and I'm also thankful for the platform that we have with you guys, and also thankful for these two gentlemen that that kind of bring a little ray of sunshine in my day. Uh, you know, one day a week where I, I get to the cut loose, be a guy, talk football, and, and you know, other than us having a beer in front of us right now, um, we're having a great time doing this show for you guys. A lot goes into just us thinking about this, but it's it's effortless when it when we love football and we love the sport. I offline, I told the guys that the college football season is kind of a a wash for me because a lot of the games are being canceled and. I didn't even know about the Dabo thing. So that, that kind of reinforces how I feel about it is that, you know, the competitive edge is not there, at least in my opinion. So, you know, it's just like the crown of champion this year. It should have an asterisk, but that's just me. But we'll see. But um, I really, I'm really thankful for you guys. And I'm really, you know, thankful to be alive right now. And, you know, let's get this new president in yeah, and, and kind of start that, things um, on, the, on the right path. What you know, you it does suck to Close mention not seeing your mom for a year. I've seen my mom once since February, uh, socially distanced in Michigan. I have not seen my dad since March of 2019 because uh, he lives out in Vegas. Uh, he, he and my stepmom are both frontline wow. health workers as well. So, you know, got to help keep them safe. So I haven't seen them in a while, but I'm thankful mm-hmm. that they're okay. Right, there's a lot of people who will never see their people ever again because they're already gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, three million people traveling, like I just I don't get yep. it. Stay home, stay safe, and like I said last week, stay home this holiday season so everybody can be here for next holiday season. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Um, so Matt. last week I brought. A good story, and I try to. I'm going to try to bring one every week. But uh, one interesting note about the game last night was the first time there has been an all-black uh, referee crew, and I thought that was pretty neat. I mean, it you know doesn't matter necessarily what the people on the field look like as far as the refereeing skills are concerned, but um, you know, 
it's always nice to see something that hasn't happened before in a way. And hopefully, you know, it's a taste of things to come. But for me, um, you know, my not I don't get to see my parents often anyway. I usually see them once a year, maybe twice. They live up in New England, obviously. Uh, but this year it's been a little bit different because they have not been able to spend time with my son, you know, their, their, their grandson. And uh, while he doesn't remember that, obviously they know that they're missing out on that time. And um, while I wish that were different, I echo the sentiment that I'm glad that they are alive and safe and that we have the future to look forward to all of us. And that's all I think. Uh, I think that's what's important. And, you know, I'm just taking all the positivity that I can find and channeling it into into what I'm doing because I can't control a lot of things out there, but I can at least control, um, you know, who I surround myself with and how I lead my, you know, lead by example for, for other people. And so that's what I'm doing. Excellent, brothers. All right, man. So I, I, obviously we're going to be texting each other on Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, watching these games. So I always look forward to that. That kind of adds a little excitement to the games where we just talk shit. So... I'm um, looking forward to that. And again, guys, have a safe, safe and happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you guys next week. Music for today's episode is credited to Tom Hayden and NFL Films.